Jason here. Welcome to the School of Zion ID. Today's episode is titled Unanimous Direction from Church Leadership. This weekend we had general conference in which we heard from the Lord's 12 apostles and first presidency regarding expedient doctrines that are in sync with our day. And wow, was it ever a sharp contrast to what we've been hearing in the world of politics and economics lately. The first presidency and quorum of the 12 apostles constitutes 15 men who are authorized by priesthood power to operate Jesus' church under a doctrine of common consent that includes the sustaining of church officers so that all things can be done in order and by common consent for the church by the prayer of faith. Former acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, uh, Boyd K. Packer, said the following, The present twelve are very ordinary people. They are not, as the original twelve were not, spectacular individually, but collectively the twelve are a power. We come from a variety of occupations. We are scientists, lawyers, teachers, etc., Um, Each have held various positions in the church, home teachers, teachers, missionaries, quorum presidents, bishops, stake presidents, mission presidents, and of most importance, husbands and fathers. They are all students and teachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What unites us, said President Packer, is our love of the Savior and his father's children and our witness that he stands at the head of the church. When the call came, each of us put down our nets, so to speak, and followed the Lord. I can best tell you how you are governed today by explaining the principles and procedures we follow in the meetings of the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. He said, these procedures protect the work from the individual weaknesses apparent in all of us. When a matter comes before the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in a temple meeting, one thing that is determined very quickly is whether it is of serious consequence or not. One or another of us will see in an an apparently innocent proposal issues of great and lasting consequence. It is clear from the revelations that the decisions of the presiding quorums must be by the unanimous voice of the same. Unless this is the case, their decisions are not entitled to the same blessings, as is stated in Doctrine and Covenants, section 107, verses 27 and 29. In order to ensure that to be the case, matters of consequence are seldom decided in the meeting where they are proposed, and if the proposal is part of a larger issue, sufficient time is taken, to bring us all along, so that it is clear that each of us has either a clear understanding of the issue, or, as is often the case, has a very clear feeling about it. And, always, if one of us cannot understand an issue or feels unsettled about it, it is held over for future discussion. I remember occasions when a delegation was sent to the hospital to, to discuss with a member of the council who was ill some urgent matter that could not be delayed, but which needed that unanimous consent. There are occasions as well when one of us will leave the meeting temporarily to call one of our number who is, a, 
who is abroad to get his feelings on a matter under discussion. There is a rule we follow. A matter is not settled until there is a minute entry to evidence that all the brethren in council assembled um, have come to a feeling, have come to a unity of feeling. Approval of a matter in principle is not considered authority to act until a minute entry records the action taken. President James E. Faust of the First Presidency, um, he passed away in 2007, explained why unanimity is so important. This requirement of unanimous consent provides a check on bias and personal idiosyncrasies. It ensures that God rules through the spirit, not man through majority or compromise. It ensures that the best wisdom and experience is focused on an issue before the deep, unassailable impressions of revealed direction are received. It guards against the foibles of man. President Gordon B. Hinckley um, said, Any major questions of policy, procedures, programs, or doctrine are considered deliberately and prayerfully by the First Presidency and the Twelve together. These two quorums, the quorum of the First Presidency and the quorum of the Twelve meeting together, and every man having total freedom to express himself, consider every major question, and now I quote from the word of the Lord, and every decision made by either of these quorums must be by the unanimous voice of the same. That is, every member in each quorum must be agreed to its decisions in order to make their decisions of the same power or validity one with another, DNC 107.27. Uh, no decision emanates from the deliberations of the First Presidency and the Twelve without total unanimity among all concerned. I'll close this quote there. You get the picture, right? Anytime the brethren come out and they have a unanimous message, it is obviously very important. And it's the way the Lord works. At this recent general conference that we just had this weekend, here's what I saw. I saw a sea change occur among the 15 brethren. Um, this group is unlikely to be the first to address an issue or policy, which sometimes can frustrate members of the church who want answers sooner rather than later. But there definitely is wisdom in their methodical approach to decision-making and, you know, in considering the things that they say. Over time, obviously, this system works. Obviously, it's ordained and authorized by the Lord. Through this process and procedure, the mind and the will of the Lord is revealed through his authorized mouthpieces. Regarding certain hot-button issues, you can only imagine, right, the doctrinal debates that occur behind closed doors with these men of strong opinion and various intellect. And, but one thing can be sure, that without a unanimous decision, the issue gets shelved until a later date. Um, in a lot of ways, it's similar. I've read a lot about Apple and studied the team at Apple, especially under Steve Jobs, and he used to say that when it comes to R&D, research and development, 
when it comes to the implementation or rejection of new policy or new products, Apple says no a lot more than they say yes. And I imagine it's very similar with the first presidency in the Quorum of the Twelve. They are slow, they are deliberate, right, to accept new policies and procedures. So now let's shift our focus, knowing that, having that as an introduction, um, the constant theme of general conference came through more clearly than maybe it ever has before as it pertains to the second coming of Jesus, preparing the way for Jesus, and the establishment of Zion. When you fit together all the pieces of the puzzle, um, it was without a doubt unanimous. Let's do a quick recap and review. First, Elder Bednar. And I'll just take some direct quotes um, as they're available. I don't think they've even released the direct transcripts from conference. Um, But here is what I was able to gather up. So Elder Bednar said, Tests in the school of mortality are a vital element in our eternal progression. Scriptural words such as prove, examine, and try are used to describe knowledge about, understanding of, and devotion to Heavenly Father's plan of happiness and the Savior's atonement. The year 2020 has been marked in part by a global pandemic that has proved, examined, and tried us in many ways. I pray that we as individuals and families are learning the valuable lessons that only challenging experiences can teach us. Now is the time to prepare and prove ourselves willing and able to do all things whatsoever the Lord our God shall command us. Um, Elder Bednar mentioned that there can be no last-minute preparations as dictated by the parable of the ten virgins. Preparation is something that happens over the course of a lifetime. He shared the story of the law student who prepared weekly in contrast, right, to those who cram for final exams. There's a lot to unpackage in Elder Bednar's remarks, but obviously he was focused on the theme of preparing for the second coming and overcoming our trials. Next one, Elder Cook. Elder Cook said, When people love God with all their hearts and righteously strive to become like Him, there is less strife and contention in society. There is more unity. We live in a moment of particularly strong divisions. However, the millions who have accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ have committed themselves to achieving both righteousness and unity. The clarion call to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is to strive to be a Zion people who are of one heart and one mind and dwell in righteousness. Next, Elder Christofferson. That which is, he spoke of that which is sustainable and eternal versus that which is unsustainable. Sustainable and flourishing societies are devoted to the two great commandments, to love God and to love one another. Even a thriving society can fail if it turns from God and trusts instead in the arm of flesh. A sustainable, flourishing society is one that promotes happiness, progress, peace, and well-being among its members. There are two examples of such thriving societies found in the scriptures. 
the city of Enoch, or Zion, and the Nephites and Lamanites, who for two centuries after the Savior's ministry in the Americas, um, those societies in those two examples showed um, they were obedient to God in their personal lives, and they looked after one another's physical and spiritual welfare. A thriving society can fail, however, if it abandons the virtues that uphold its peace and prosperity, turns from a sense of accountability to God, and trusts instead in the arm of flesh. Um, Then we go to Elder Gong. He said, As we hearken to the Lord's spirit of prophecy, we can become, in our own way, part of the fulfillment of his prophecies and promises in the latter days. Part of the gospel blessing, or excuse me, through small and simple means in which the Lord invites his disciples to participate, his great work is brought to pass. By increasing faith in Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ, living restored gospel truths, and receiving sacred covenants, and studying and sharing the ongoing revelation, we participate in fulfilling prophecy. These gospel patterns bless and change lives everywhere. Elder Uchtdorf, God uses adversity to bring about his purposes. He said, he talked about the pandemic, and he said very clearly, things may get worse before they get better. Anyone who has studied the scriptures would agree with Elder Uchtdorf. He said, through this pandemic, or though this pandemic is neither wanted Um, nor expected, God has prepared his children and his church for this time. We will endure this, yes, but we will do more than simply grit our teeth, hold on and wait for things to return to the old normal. We will move forward and we will be better as a result. Men and women are like seeds, he said, and for seeds to reach their potential, they must be buried before they can sprout. It is my witness that though at times we may feel buried by the trials of life or surrounded by emotional darkness, the love of God and the blessings of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ will bring something unimaginable to spring forth. Every dispensation has faced times of trial and hardship with twofold learnings. The righteous are not given a free pass that allows them to avoid the valleys of shadow. Also, Heavenly Father knows all suffering and will not abandon his children. God will watch over and shepherd you during these times of uncertainty and fear. He knows you. He hears your pleas. He is faithful and dependable. He will fulfill his promises. God has something unimaginable in mind for you personally and the church collectively. A marvelous work and a wonder. President Eyring, when speaking to the women, said, Heavenly Father's beloved daughters will play a crucial role in the establishment of Zion. We know that the Savior will come to a people who have been gathered and prepared to live as the people did in the city of Enoch. The people there were united in faith in Jesus Christ and had become so completely pure that they were taken up to heaven. The prophet Joseph Smith promised the early Relief Society sisters that if they live up to their privileges, they would enjoy the association of angels. 
That marvelous potential lies within you, and you are being prepared for it. Sisters, you were given the blessing of being daughters of God with special gifts. You brought with you into mortal life a spiritual capacity to nurture others and to lift them higher toward the love and purity that will qualify them to live together in a Zion society. It is not by accident that the Relief Society, the first church organization specifically for Heavenly Father's daughters, has as its motto, Charity Never Faileth. Faith in Christ, coupled with the full effects of His Atonement, will qualify His followers for the supernal gift to live in promised Zion. There you will be sisters in Zion, loved in person by the Lord and those you have blessed. I promise you that the Lord will lead you by the hand. Through the Holy Ghost, He will go before your face as you help Him prepare His people to become His promised Zion. Boy, we're about halfway through here. Isn't it remarkable? The unanimous message being shared by the brethren to prepare for the second coming in and to establish Zion. President Oaks to the women said, The Savior's assurance to his apostles is the, um, is the message he gives to all of Heavenly Father's children. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John 16.33 This message is repeated throughout Scripture. Among, amid the present troubling circumstances many are facing, the Savior's assurance is needed today. The Lord has special love and concern for His precious daughters. He knows of your wants, your needs, and your fears. The Lord is all-powerful, so trust Him. The First Presidency is concerned about the challenges women worldwide are facing. They love and pray for the women. By following prophetic guidance, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the women of God. He will lead them, and with a glad heart and cheerful countenance, they can move forward on the covenant path. President Nelson said to the women, over the past several months, women of the church have shown that in difficult circumstances, they bravely carry on. The Lord has spoken of this modern day with somber prophecies and glorious pronouncements and reassured, if ye are prepared, ye shall not fear. Temporal preparation is important, but even more important is spiritual and emotional preparation. As a commander to the Nephite army, Captain Moroni prepared his people in three essential ways. First, Moroni helped the Nephites create places of security with embankments, forts, and walls. A place of security is anywhere you can feel the presence of the Holy Ghost and be guided by Him, including the home, the temple, and following counsel of local leaders. It's interesting. Um, when you search the scriptures, really the only protection given when talking about the commotion of the plagues and the events before the second coming is the command to stand in holy places and be not moved. Very interesting that President Nelson mentioned that in this conference. Um, the need to create your holy place or your place of security.
Um, a few other things he mentioned. Um, he said Moroni never stopped physically or spiritually preparing his people. The adversary never stops attacking. The more self-reliant we are, temporally, emotionally, and spiritually, the more prepared we are to thwart Satan's relentless assaults. My dear sisters, we have so much to look forward to. The Lord placed you here now because he knew you had the capacity to negotiate the complexities of the latter part of these latter days. I am not saying that the days ahead will be easy, but I promise you that the future will be glorious for those who are prepared and who continue to prepare to be instruments in the Lord's hands. Moving on to President Ballard. Near the close of his mortal ministry, Jesus Christ taught the disciples to watch ye therefore and pray always, to be counted as worthy to escape all these things that would cause commotion. Certainly, we live in a time during which things are in commotion. Many people fear the future, and many hearts have turned away from their faith in God and His Son, Jesus Christ. News reports are filled with accounts of violence, moral denigration, and a deadly global pandemic. Lives are being disrupted, and many feel isolated and alone. I think often of those of you who are suffering, worried, afraid, or feeling alone. I assure each one of you that the Lord knows you, that he is aware of your concern and anguish, and that he loves you intimately and personally, deeply and forever. At this time of commotion, redouble one's commitment to prayer. Again, obviously I'm giving these short excerpts of each of the talks from the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in the First Presidency. Of course, we should go read through because each one is so packed full of essential doctrines that are expedient for us to hear today. So maybe hearing these will spark something, trigger something where you want to go back and focus on that particular talk. Uh, The next one, Elder Anderson, as you come to know and love him even more deeply, your words will flow more comfortably as they do when you speak of one of your children or of a dear friend. Those listening to you will feel less like debating or dismissing you and more like learning from you. As the world speaks less of Jesus Christ, let us speak more of him. Um, And on that note, you know, one thing I've learned from doing this Zion podcast is that the words of prophets and the words of scripture are obviously much more powerful than our own thoughts. And so with each one, I try and quote as many scriptures as possible. I try and quote as many words of prophets as possible. Well, you don't get that, right, in the political realm. As I watched the debate last week, how many times did they quote the Constitution? You know, we didn't hear much of it. If President Trump or Vice President Biden really wanted to have power behind their words, how smart would it be to actually quote the Constitution and to talk about how it's being implemented today or what we need to do to better implement it today. Um, There's just so much strength in the sure and time-trusted word of God. Next one, back to President Nelson. 
the Lord is gathering those who are willing to let God prevail in their lives. For centuries, prophets have foretold this gathering, and it is happening right now. This pre-millennial gathering is an individual saga of expanding faith and spiritual courage for millions of people. And as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or Latter-day Covenant Israel, we have been charged to assist the Lord with this pivotal work. Anytime we do anything that helps anyone on either side of the veil to make and keep their covenants with God, we are helping to gather Israel. The question for each of us, regardless of race, is the same. Are you willing to let God prevail in your life? Are you willing to let God be the most important influence in your life? Will you allow his words, his commandments, and his covenants to influence what you do each day? Will you allow his voice to take priority over any other? Are you willing to let whatever he needs you to do take precedence over every other ambition? Are you willing to have your will swallowed up by his? During scripture study over the next six months, Latter-day Saints are encouraged to make a list of all that the Lord has promised he will do for covenant Israel. I think you will be astounded, President Nelson said. As you choose to let God prevail in your lives, you will experience for yourselves that our God is a God of miracles. President Eyring. God's purpose in the creation of this world was to give his children the opportunity to prove themselves able and willing to choose the right when it is hard. By so doing, each person would have the opportunity to, to change their natures, to become more like him. And he knew um, that, he, that that would require unshakable faith in him. Because Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ love all, they want all to return to them and become more like them. But considering the trials and difficulties of this world, you might reasonably wonder why a loving and all-powerful God allows our mortal test to be so hard. At the center of Heavenly Father's plan is the opportunity for our becoming ever more like His beloved Son, Jesus Christ. In all things, the Savior's example is our best guide. He too had need to prove himself and thus endured for all of Heavenly Father's children, paying the price for all our sins. By suffering for all mortality, the Savior knows how to succor you in whatever tests you face. The greatest blessing, a change in nature to become more like him, will come only when we prove ourselves faithful to our covenants during our trials and when we notice the tribulation of others and try to help. In lifting the burdens of others even a little, our backs are strengthened and we sense a light in the darkness. Elder Stevenson, during the COVID-19 pandemic, Latter-day Saints around the world have had their lives upended. Missions, temple work, and traditional Sabbath day worship were disrupted. Some have lost loved ones, Many have dealt with heartbreaking disappointment, sorrow, and discouragement. So how do we heal, endure, and move forward when things seem broken? One day, the pandemic-caused disruptions and disappointments will be overshadowed 
by the choice blessings and increased faith and testimonies. They are evidence of the Lord's favor. Elder Holland, how long does one wait for relief from pandemics or personal trials, from hardships and burdens, even when spiritual efforts and pleading prayers do not yield yearned-for results? While we work and wait together for the answers to some of our prayers, I offer you my apostolic promise that they are heard and they are answered, though perhaps not at the time or in the way we wanted. But they are always answered at the time and in the way an omniscient and eternally compassionate parent should answer them. Faith means trusting God in good times and bad, even if that includes some suffering until we see his arm revealed in our behalf. Such is difficult when many believe the highest good in life is to avoid all suffering. Christianity is comforting, but often it is not comfortable. The path to holiness and happiness here and hereafter is a long and sometimes rocky one. It takes time and tenacity to walk it. But of course, the reward for doing so is monumental. COVID and cancer, doubt and dismay, financial trouble and family trials. When will these burdens be lifted? The answer is by and by. Whether that be a short period or a long one, it is not always ours to say. But by the grace of God, the blessings will come to those who hold fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That issue was settled in a very private garden on a very public hill in Jerusalem long ago. And then President Nelson, in his closing remarks at General Conference, said, May we go forward together to fulfill our divine mandate, that of preparing ourselves and the world for the second coming of the Lord. To truly embrace a new normal, I invite you to turn your heart, mind, and soul increasingly to our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. I bless you with an increased desire and ability to obey the laws of God. I promise that as you do, you will be showered with blessings, including greater courage, increased personal revelation, sweeter harmony in your homes, and joy even amid uncertainty. So the good news is that it is certainly possible to overcome the world. We do it with faith. We do it with revelation to guide us. Um, we do it with love for God and for our fellow man. There is plenty of reason to be optimistic. There's plenty of reason to have hope. The Savior is coming, and Zion will be established. The brethren did a great job of not fear-mongering, right? Not overly focusing on all of the negatives that are, that are going to happen because they know the risk is real, that we are fragile, and that our hearts might fail us. To those who want to learn more, you know, study the Scriptures, read them in depth. Um, I thought it was interesting. President Nelson made mention that the timeline that Peter prophesied about is unfolding right now. Well, I've done, you know, 
a 45 minute long episode just on the timeline of Peter. President Nelson didn't do that, but he leaves that up to us, you know, to dig as deep as we are able to handle. Um, They gave some outstanding counsel for the saints, for the members of the the church to come unto Christ. Um, I really do hope that in some small way, these episodes that we've done the past two years have helped clarify and enhance our understanding of the destiny of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know that because of a lot of the things that we've discussed and talked about in Zion ID, it made it easier to identify and learn from the words of the prophets at conference. Um, I hope that all of this has focused our efforts to prepare for the Lord and to truly become his people. May God be with each of us through these remaining times of testing and proving. That is definitely my prayer.